Hello, and welcome to The First Bill. My name is Katie Meyer, and I serve as the Director of Content Creation here at APHA. Has your newsfeed been full of trial results from all of the new anti-amyloid agents for Alzheimer's disease? I know mine has been. For this segment, I will discuss Lacanumab's recent conversion from accelerated to traditional FDA approval and key results from the clinical trial that led to the FDA's decision. Before we dive into the study, I want to provide you with a reminder about the FDA's accelerated approval program. This program allows for earlier approval of medications and that treat serious conditions and fill an unmet medical need based on a surrogate endpoint, such as a laboratory measurement, radiographic image, physical sign, or other measure that is thought to predict clinical benefit, but is not itself a measure of clinical benefit. The accumulation of amyloid beta plaques in the brain is a significant pathophysiologic feature of Alzheimer's disease. Lecanemab is a humanized immunoglobulin gamma-1 monoclonal antibody directed against aggregated soluble and insoluble forms of amyloid beta peptide, the main component of the amyloid plaques found in, in, in the brains of individuals with Alzheimer's disease. Lecanemab was initially approved under the Accelerated Approval Program for patients with mild cognitive impairment and confirmed presence of amyloid beta pathology. Patients had a statistically significant reduction in beta amyloid plaque on PET imaging, so that surrogate marker from baseline compared to placebo at 79 weeks. Just this month, the FDA converted lecanemab's approval to traditional approval after results from an 18-month multi-center, double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled, phase 3, clarity AD study verified clinical benefit. Clarity AD was conducted in people 50 to 90 years of age with mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia due to Alzheimer's disease. To be eligible, participants must have had evidence of amyloid on PET or by cerebral spinal fluid testing. The primary efficacy endpoint was the change from baseline at 18 months in the score on, cl- on the clinical dementia ratio sum of boxes, or CDRB. The CDRB is a rating scale developed by Washington University that is used in dementia research, as is advantageous in that it's simple to calculate and interval data, which allows for increased precision with tracking over time. The CDRSB scale ranges from 0 to 18, with a score of 0 being normal, 0.5 to 4 being questionable to very mild dementia, 4.5 to 9 being mild, 9.5 to 15 moderate, and 16 to 18 severe dementia. The mean CDRSB score at baseline for study participants was 3.2, so in that questionable to very mild dementia range. A total of 1,795 study participants with a mean age of 71 years were enrolled, with 898 randomized to receive lecanemab and 897 to receive placebo. At 18 months, the adjusted least squares mean change from baseline of CDRSB was 1.21 with lecanemab and 1.66 with placebo for a difference of 0.45. The 95% confidence interval was negative 0.67 to negative 0.23, and the result was found to be statistically significant with a p-value of less than 0.001. Authors concluded that lecanemab reduced markers of amyloid in early Alzheimer's disease and resulted in moderately less decline on measures of cognition and function compared to placebo at 18 months. 
So next, let's dive into safety. You might remember aducanumab, the first anti-amyloid antibody to receive accelerated approval from the FDA for treatment of patients with mild cognitive impairment. Aducanumab's approval was a topic of controversy considering its lack of robust efficacy data concerning safety data, including the potential for development of amyloid-related imaging abnormalities known as ARIA. Edema, or ARIA-E, and hemosiderin deposition as a result of microhemorrhages, or ARIA-H, were a concern, and follow-up MRI was required for monitoring. In Clarity AD, ARIA-H occurred in 17.3% of participants taking lecanabab and 9% of those with placebo. ARIA-E occurred in 12.6% of patients with lecanabab and 1.7% with placebo. ARIA-E most commonly occurred within the first three months of the treatment period and then resolved within the next four months. ARIA-H that occurred with ARIA-E also tended to occur during the earlier part of the trial, but interestingly, the ARIA-H that occurred alone occurred all throughout the trial period. Overall, serious adverse events occurred in 14% of the lecanemab group and 11.3% in the placebo group. Infusion-related reactions occurred in 26.4% of patients receiving lecanemab and 7.4% with placebo. So what are the major takeaways for you when communicating information about lecanemab to your patients? Lecanemab may help delay the progression of Alzheimer's disease in patients with mild cognitive impairment at baseline. However, it does have potential to cause significant side effects. While infusion-related reactions can be reduced with preventative medications, further research is needed to determine patients that may be at increased risk of experiencing ARIA. Lecanemab's manufacturer has announced an annual cost of $26,500 per year for the medication. Following Lecanemab's traditional approval, CMS announced that coverage will be provided as long as the physician overseeing the patient's care participates in a CMS-facilitated registry. Well, that's all the time I have for today. If you'd like to hear more about this topic, be sure to let us know in your survey. Thank you for your time and attention.